five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are reviewing Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 8, I Excretus. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing, man? Oh, man, I am fantastically well today. Fantastically well. Kind of got to play around in my real estate business today, so it was a little detour from restaurant work, so I'm actually in a good mood. Oh, man. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. I hope your real estate endeavors are going well. Well, we'll see. Give me a plot of land in the Delta Quadrant. I'd be very happy about that. Listen, that land is going quick. You better put in an offer. (laughs) Indeed. And also on the podcast, we have Kyle Jones. How you doing, man? You know what? I'm doing pretty good. Glad to be here and interested to find out what you guys think about this. But Glad to be here nonetheless. And how about you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. No complaints. And I think my review of this episode might surprise you guys. Interesting. But what we're doing here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, please, guys, as I always say, leave a review, like and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening on. To make sure you don't miss an episode. And also it helps us get discovered. So we really appreciate that, guys. And, and once again, thanks. Now it's time for our new segment, Trek Trivia. Trek Trivia is where we ask a burning Trek related question answered by either us or directly through user feedback. No direct feedback for this one in particular. But Jonathan, what was our last question and what was the answer? So on the last episode, I gave you guys a little history on the Vulcan salute, the Vulcan greeting. So if you want to kind of get a history lesson on that, check out our last uh, podcast release to get that backstory. But the question revolved around there were a couple of people, a couple of our original series actors that could not quite get their fingers in the right position to form a proper Vulcan salute. One of those actors were was the actor that played T'Pol and the other was who? Drum roll, guys. The answer of the person, original series actor that could not do Vulcan salute would be your very own William Shatner. No, it can't be. How (laughs) is it possible? (laughs) And to this day, he still, well, I don't know till this day, but I mean, here in the past couple of years, he did an interview, a late night show with Conan O'Brien. And he did, he demonstrated his ability. lack of ability (laughs) to do the salute the proper way so rumor has it he used fishing line during the filming of the original series when he had to do it to kind of tie his fingers together that is amazing that is amazing (laughs) now that it's been remastered you know what that's going to do that's going to make me next time we see a original series episode is look for that yeah I I know I certainly will be (laughs) (laughs) For real, 100%. You know, it it can't be as bad as, Kyle, what's what's the Doctor Who episode where Toberman lifts the Cybermen over his head? Um, (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, uh, that would be in one of the episodes of Tumor of the Cybermen, exactly. Yeah, and oh my God, Jonathan, I got to show you this clip. You can see the string holding (laughs) the doll (laughs) above his head. It is is freaking hilarious. And it is clearly a doll. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the question is, do you want to see that when you go back and look like, will that just ruin it for you? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's effects were limited back then. And come on, there's only so much you can do when somebody can't hold their hand the right way. So <laughs> I, I don't think it'll bother me too much, but it still be cool to, to actually see some of the effects that were used. So quick question to you, to uh, fellow trickies. Uh, could you do it when you first seen it and tried it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could. me too. Kyle, you could. Do you, would you believe I could not? Really? Like, I couldn't. When I first started watching TNG, and I saw it, I don't remember what episode I saw it on, but I could not get it to do. And, like, my aunt would show me how to do it, and I used to have to spread my fingers out to do it. But I liked it so much, I kept doing it and kept trying and trying to eventually train myself to do it. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> That's dedication. <laughs> but, you know, that's just like, you know, there are some people that can 
roll their R's, some people that can't, some people who can, you know, roll your tongue, and some people who can't, some people who can snap their fingers, yeah, some people yeah, who true. can't. And I think yeah. that's just, you know, one of them is being able to do your fingers like that. Like, I can't whistle, so. Dude, it if I can't do something, it just... It, it irks me so much and I just keep trying. <laughs> There's stuff I still can't do. I wish I could have did when I was younger, like backflips and stuff like that. Or, you know, oh, I could yeah. stand straight up and do a flip. It just gets on my nerves. I'm like, I know I can do this, but I can't. <laughs> Alas. Uh, well, no. so much for our Vulcan salute dreams. What new question do you have for the audience for this week, man? All right. So new question. This is going to be not one of those groundbreaking questions, but just a little something, you know? So we all know that our warp engines are powered by dilithium, correct? Yes. Well, kind of, right? So just a little history before I give you the question. Dilithium, we all know, is a crystal. And that crystal pretty much facilitates the matter-antimatter reaction that happens in the warp engine. Because it's such a violent reaction... Something has to contain it, and the lithium crystals is the only thing that can contain that reaction so it can be directed to the nacelles in a form of plasma. Anyway, little history lesson. The question being, in a Star Trek The Next Generation episode, it was mentioned that the lithium was on the fictional periodic table of the Federation at the atomic number of what? Oh my God, I would never get this. <laughs> <laughs> So here's a hint. The number on our actual real life periodic table belongs to Francium. I still don't know because I sucked at chemistry. <laughs> I didn't take chemistry. What? What How school did you, did you go to? <laughs> <laughs> no chemistry? <laughs> nope. I had to take it. I, I dropped it and took it again another year because I hated it so much. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. And we'll follow up on that next week. That is definitely a, a um, nerdy trick question. Kudos <laughs> to you, my friend, for coming up with these. Gee, Louise. Uh, you're not playing. Yeah, that, that, he, he took it to a whole other level. Yeah, I kind of look. I kind of went back and forth on whether I should do that one or not because that's just kind of this is like a Final Jeopardy question, dude. <laughs> Hey, a Google search will find it, especially with the clue I give you. So, well, you know, and and I think you just hit on it. It's not a well. What is the second series in the Star Trek franchise? Yeah, those are longer for yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and so what I've been trying to do with this segment is, I mean, you can throw a, a a digital rock in the web. And hit any Star Trek trivia site in question. And like you said, Kyle, it's usually one of those, you know, what is the second series in the franchise or what was the god name of the guy that ran the bar on DS9? Like, it's just things like that that we all pretty much already know. So I kind of just want to point out some things that maybe we didn't know. All right. Well, with that, we'll move right along into our review. No news and updates this week. So we'll get right into our review of Star Trek Lord Dex I Excretus. I Excretus is the eighth episode of season two of Star Trek Lower Decks. The episode was written by Ann Kim and was directed by Kim Arndt. A consultant arrives on the USS Cerritos to run drills that require the Lower Deckers and bridge crew to swap duties. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. Like always, we go to Kyle Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. You never know. Kyle Jones, what do you have for us this week, man? So I'll be honest. I really debated back and forth on what I wanted to do here. I'm serious. I really, really debated. And I don't know if this is funny. I don't know if it's serious. Uh-oh. So I really do have thoughts about the episode. But for the beats, this I just keep coming back to it. And I'm just going to say it. So my beats are... Enough. Stop. We get it. Move on. Stop. There you go. Enough. Stop. We get it. Move on. Stop. Yes. All right. John, what are your views on the episode, man? Um, I'll refer you back to Cal's Beats. 
<laughs> like, uh, so, um, the first part of this episode, I was like, oh, God, this is, mm. like, really, like Kyle said, like, stop, we get it, no more. And then it was also like, you're going back to the worst of your episodes. But at the end, it put a nice little cap on it, and it, but it kind of upset me because it showed me what that episode could have been. Like the ending was great. Mm, interesting. It just didn't. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like maybe the writers had a great idea for the ending and they had to fill in the rest. Wow. Cal Jones, do you have any additional thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I really do. I agree with what Jonathan just said. And I think he and I are on the same brain wave, brain pattern, whatever you want to call it here. But I totally, totally agree with with what you just said. I do think there was a story here and I loved the story. I actually thought it was a very good story. I love the fact that you had the the swapping of roles. I love the fact that you had this training exercise and you had all these different caveats about it and all of that. It was cerebral. It built the characters. It it did all these good things. But somebody with a junior high <laughs> mentality couldn't let go of saying sex joke and be thinking that that's I'm the cool kid in the classroom now. I I love sex jokes as much as we, I mean, we're all adults here and we all have thoughts and blah, 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 blah. But I don't know if I want to see it in every freaking episode of of this series. I, I can agree with that, man. I, I can totally agree with that. But I think I differ from you guys with, I feel like for this episode, that was only a small part of the entire episode. And with that in mind, I loved every other single part of this episode in spades. I just thought it was great and wonderful. Again, the juvenile humor was just almost deplorable, <laughs> almost unacceptable for a Star Trek show. I will get into some of the details, but I, I cannot unsee some of that crap. And just, I don't. Yes. Just horrible. Yes. Just horrible. But with that said, if I could just snip out that one forty-five seconds of the episode, I, I, I think I love the rest of it, man. I, I really did. I really did. And then we can get into some of the details. Did anybody have any else have any additional thoughts before we dig in a little bit? Let's start digging because it goes. <laughs> so, so, in my humble opinion, and I'll start off by saying this, this may be among the best, one of the best episodes of the season. You know, we had valid reasons for a slew of what I felt like were heartwarming callbacks to, to, to Trick's past. You know, it, it, it delivered on that touch of nostalgia that, that Lower Decks in general tries to provide with each episode. You know, they're all about their nostalgia and their callbacks. So, I, I believe it delivered on that. And and what's more important to me is that I feel like it had a solid narrative. It played on the core premises of what Lower Decks is and the undervalued crew of the Cerritos is. But it also, I feel like it crafts like an original story. Much needed growth for the characters, the Lower Deckers and the, the senior officers. Aside from the, <laughs> what we just mentioned, the just blatant overuse of juvenile humor. Other than that, I feel like everything was well done. So... The cold open. The lower deckers are left on a communications beacon after the Cerritos receives a distress call from the USS Bakersfield, only to be picked up six hours later. And really not much to say here other than this kind of sets up the rest of the episode, a bit of foreshadowing of things to come. Well, can I say uh, here in this part, and I get it, it's my opinion and everybody has one, of course. Uh, But like this to me was probably one of the funniest moments I've seen in this series. I don't know why I just, (laughs) you know, they just had that moment. Like they finished the work and everything was good. They like the ship just left. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was funny too. (laughs) And Tendy's like, it's okay. They'll come back. I mean, (laughs) and then they're being back on board, like half frozen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Tony Newsom's delivery when the ship left, I thought it was really just the timing was perfect. She's like, yep, yep, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much air do we? Perfect. 
Oh man, that was good. Like that was clever joke writing. Like well, clever humor writing. It wasn't really a joke, but you know what I mean. Like that's the kind of laugh I want to get from this. Yeah, and especially when in that moment she's saying, <laughs> "We're finally coming together as a crew," <laughs> right? <laughs> and the ship just takes off. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. That was that was freaking hilarious. That was freaking great. And. We learned that the crew is going to be executing a series of Starfleet drills, though initially the stakes of the drills aren't really explained. So before we get into some of the details of some of the drills, Kyle, I have a question for you, man. What are your thoughts on the Pandronian Starfleet drill administrator, Shari Yin Yim? Okay, so the first time we see this character, I... I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking away because I was doing something. I don't know what I was doing, but I was doing something. I was looking away and the way they introduce her, that first thing that she says, it sounds like Oprah. <laughs> I mean, that was yeah. my first thing. It was like, that sounded so, it's Oprah Winfrey, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Um, so that was my first thing. <laughs> the, the second thing, and this is the character, but it's also tying to the test themselves, you know, I think all of us can relate to having to take some kind of test that somebody has made that they've decreed as benchmarking of something. And we've got to, you know, be compared against that. You've done it. I've done it. We've all done it, whatever the case may be. So I think that was very relatable as a, a, part of the story for the audience to relate to because that's something that we've all been subject you know subject to so i thought that was cool yeah it's almost like these training things you do for work sometimes and you have these hype it feels like a hype person but they come in and tell you how great it's going to be and that's kind of what what sherry and you felt to me you know coming in and get everybody hyped up for these like you said these kind of standardized tests that everybody has to take so i thought that was that was pretty interesting and you, you know, I, I, I kind of enjoyed the idea going into it because, you know, usually throughout Trek, you'll see like someone's preparing for Starfleet or they're in the academy or whatever the case. And they always do these simulator tests, whatever the case may be. Uh, and I mean, it kind of goes back like Wesley Crusher had that simulated, which he didn't know was a simulation. And, you know, that was bad. Uh, Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. Kobayashi Maru. That's the unbeatable story um and ds9 you know when nog was trying to get into starfleet he did a couple of those so like that's always like cal said it's always a benchmark and starfleet uses uses these a lot like to determine you know if you're qualified to go where you're trying to go trying to be what you're trying to be and the fact that we're getting the lower deckers to go through this to me like i appreciated that like i I feel like that's something that should be done on a starship regularly to promote from within. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you have these officers or these these lower deckers who are not normally put in those situations. It gives them a chance to shine. And obviously you have certain ones that are going <laughs> to excel to no end. Now, before we get into some of the details of the different drills they went through, I will say that. Did, didn't you guys kind of expect Mariner to be doing a lot better in these than she did? Because it, it felt like they it felt like they made her do poorly in these just for the sake of comedy. Well, that's kind of where this this episode started to lose me. Right. Because like you go into this with kind of an expectation of who's going to do well. And I expected some failure in some parts. But it's certain things like I expected Rutherford to be great maybe not perfect you know what i mean like yeah and he has the freaking cyborg implant thing like i figured that would come into play to help him somewhere in there and you're right mariner like she has all this experience i expected her to and what she exactly said in one of them was like you know hey i'm gonna do this shortcut i'm gonna take it this way because i know this already and it wouldn't allow her to do it like so at that point it kind of told me oh so now we're just after laughs. Well, well, it kind of goes back to the point that Cal made with standardized tests. I mean, even though she could have passed it a different way, they were looking to it. Look, it seemingly they were looking for her to do it a certain way, and she wasn't down. Bingo. With and yeah, and but- say that that goes back. Yeah, exactly. And we learned that doubly later on in the episode. And I don't want to jump ahead, but you know, it 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 was that. So back to Mariner. 
I expected her to be who she was, and she was who she was, but that test was designed for you to not call her outside the lines and, and penalized you for it. I don't even think it gave her, like, I felt like it was designed against her. Which we kind of learn as much at the end of it. Yeah. From from Sherry and him. But it, to me, in that case, it made no sense why Boimler would be able to do his his test like a hundred different ways and still pass, you know, where well, that, uh, I think there's just Boimler being Boimler. But I mean, exactly. Because, I mean, I think out of all of them, that was the most unwinnable situation, like survive an encounter with the Borg on yeah. a Borg cube by yourself. So maybe she didn't even try to tweak that one. Like, we can't pass that one anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And who would have expected, you know, if you look at it from just judging the deck by its level instead of the book by its cover, you would have assumed that this lower decks person would not have the forethought of studying the way he does if that is an assumption and again we go into the story later and realizing a lot of things are based on assumptions yeah and i'm gonna tell you one that really disappointed me i absolutely hate it was tendy so like that was out like that wasn't even that i mean like you say we found out at the end but like really that was unwinnable like i the re- okay, I, I love Tendi's. So Tendi was has to give a Klingon an honorable death. I love the play on the Klingon rituals and the callback to to Worf's episode when he was paralyzed. That's kind of what it was. I right. Mean, really, it was an unwinnable situation. But if you take most of other than the things Mariner were doing, which she should have been able to pass, but the other ones were mostly unwinnable situations. So, I mean, I, I, I thought that one was good and it was kind of like an unwinnable thing for mm. Tindy. Well, no, I, but I mean, I didn't, it was it wasn't logically unwinnable. So she was going to stab him with a knife and give him an honorable death? No, she's no, a Starfleet officer. They couldn't but, do that in TNG, so they're not going to do it here. It It's like so. And then the doctor, the doctors run over and they're trying to give him a honorable death. And I'm sorry, sir, you're still alive. Like. I don't know. Like, I just, I felt like it was just trying too hard for a laugh. I get the callback and great. And I get that the decision that the doctor have to make when this person's culture is saying this is the death they should have and they want it. But you as a doctor can't allow yourself to do it. So, like, I felt like there was ways she could have done it, but I think they just wrote it in as a gag. I don't know, man. I, I thought that was excellent. That I, I, I really enjoyed that. I'm probably awful, <laughs> but I really, I really enjoyed that one, man. No, mm. I, I kind of am with you, Clarence. I like that simply for the fact of it made it, it was the one to me that made me feel like that they were actually being a little bit serious in the sense of you don't realize how many decisions that other person is having to make and I, I that's what i liked about it so i guess i guess the point of what really got me is like when she first were presented with the situation she went the way you would expect a starfleet doctor like no i can't do this and she lost points and then she tried to give him a death and she lost points <laughs> I, I just don't i don't get it like I, I i just don't i don't get what other than they just wanted us to laugh I mean, it was an unwinnable situation. I mean, honestly, it was just an unwinnable situation. And there's not much you can do about that. I mean, again, like from times past, we've seen the same unwinnable situation. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I really didn't think about it too much other than I thought it was cool. <laughs> but I do get your point. I do get your point. But as for the other, some of the other drills, we had Mariner visiting the Terran Empire, which... I thought it was fun, funny that the counselor Miglimo was the was like the bird on the thing when they when she got <laughs> that that was pretty hilarious. Kind of strange that Billups and Ensign Rutherford were ready to do some horny torture. I mean, I didn't really get that whole thing again. Juvenile, right? You know, you just wanted I, to say horny for the sake of saying, "Oh, look, I'm horny." I mean, yeah, eh. yeah. And I did like the portable agonizer that uh, Boimler Mirror Boimler had. But other than that, again, you know, Mariner didn't do very well. So, again, I feel like this one, I like the callback, but it really was just they threw it in there for nostalgia. Is the Mariner going to the Wild West, the Old West. 
Yeah. To, to only get troubled by a horse. I mean, of course, they're re- referring to the TNG episode. I think it was, was it Fistful of Datas? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, cool little thing. And, you know, ultimately, I think these drills were a great opportunity just to revisit some of the stuff we've seen before, logically, within within the frame of the show, instead of them just blurting out stuff. I feel like this was an excellent opportunity for that. Just like, John, when we when we've played Star Trek Bridge Crew and they throw us in scenarios that, you know, may have happened before or we're trying to redo some war that was fought, you know, in Federation history. I thought I thought this was a good opportunity to show some of that stuff. Yeah, I just I don't know. I, I just felt like the writing in these individual situations were just kind of too laxed. So did you not enjoy the the, the end of Rathacon, the Spock? And the going into the warp chamber thing with the Rutherford? Well, yeah, not really. I thought it was cool. Like, <laughs> again, I just felt like they were reaching for laugh. Like, I, I, there was no substance in it. And I get it. It's not a lot of time there. But, I mean, the time given, I don't know. Maybe I'm asking for too much. All right. So, so, so let me ask, if you don't mind, let me ask you this, Jonathan. When I was watching it through the first time on Thursday night... I stopped about halfway through and literally expected to go into this podcast tonight saying, I watched half of it. It turned me off. I didn't watch the rest of it. I watched the rest of it about six o'clock tonight and changed really to the opinion that I have now. I'm not saying you didn't watch all of it. You obviously did. But my question is, do you think... The fact that you were so turned off by some of the things that we've, you know, the sex jokes and whatever that we've been talking about. Do you think that that negatively impacted your opinion of the rest, that you were so irritated by that, that it impacted the rest of the episode? No, not really. Like I, the that that whole sex thing, like it, it didn't piss me off. I'm not irritated about it. But like you said, in your beats, like, OK, I'm I, it's like we're done. We're beating a dead horse here. Like it's like you did it once, <laughs> you did it again. Huh? Okay, but now you're doing it again and again and again. Like I'm tired of seeing it, right? So like, come off of that. I'm not irritated by it, but like, let's use this time to do something else. But what I guess what really going the first half of it, watching it through, like before we get to the end, like I said, the ending kind of brought it together for me a little more. But like, I just feel like there was a lot of wasted time in the first half. That could have been spent on a little better of a story. I, I kind of look at it more like it was almost like a comic strip, maybe. <laughs> well, let's, let's just talk a little bit more about what I consider the most reprehensible thing ever in Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> so Mariner goes to a drill called Naked Time, which obviously is a callback to the TOS episode, The Naked Time, and the TNG episode, The Naked Now. Where a, I think in both cases, it was either contagion or illness that spread about the ship, causing the crew to go mad in a sense, uh, or let go. They're naked in the sense of they let go of their inhibitions and they're free. <laughs> Man, this, this is some of the worst stuff I've ever seen in, in, in not just Trek, but most cartoons. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, do we really again, have to go they- there? They, 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 they ride it. No pun intended. <laughs> to the wheels come off. Like, okay, Watch your words. I get, yeah, I get the, I get the callback, right? But they could have done this. Like, maybe she walks in and like it's kind of suggested, but not that. Like, she walk in, see it, like you flash to it, like oh my goodness, and it goes on to something else. But no, you go in and you see it, and they show on different angles of it, and you got the sound effects in the background. That overwhelms the visuals. I'm so glad that I can't hear. Oh, oh I'm so glad. Dude, I can't dude, hear. Uh, <laughs> uh, Commander, Bill, <laughs> Commander Pillow, Bill's like, I can't tell where my body is and yours begins. Yes, oh yeah, I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> that was terrible. Like, what the heck, man? I don't. And and then the cat crawling around the the security guy. Oh yeah. man. Like it just it went too far. Like I get it. I would have been okay with it, and I probably would have actually enjoyed it because I get the callback right, but. And Boimler too, the Boimler shot. Yes, like, yes, that was hard. That 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 was the worst to me. Oh my god! 
Okay, so, so so let me say this real quick. You know, we, we talked about on the last episode, and I was creeped out on the last episode by what I thought was the mother-son thing that they were trying to insinuate. But the, there was a point later in the episode that we mentioned where they take um, the character to and they're presenting these two people, a male and a female, and we talked all about that. At least in my opinion, and again, like Jonathan said earlier, uh, this is my opinion, everybody has one. At least in my opinion, with that one, you presented someone who had never had sex before, and you presented one sex and one sex, you know, one sex, you know, one person of one sex, one person of the other sex. You didn't assume anything, and you just said, well, okay, let this person choose whichever he wants or both or whatever. At least to me, that was a little bit more tasteful than whatever the hell it was <laughs> right. that Boilmer was doing. I did not, I, I don't want to see that, especially in a bleeping cartoon. A Star Trek cartoon. Yes. And, and when you look back at the episodes that these situations are based off of, you know, you have the sexy Tarsha Yar. You have suggestive, suggestive stuff in TOS, but again, this is TV in the 60s. They're not going to show too much. And I think in that one, it was more just them acting crazy than more of the, the sexy time stuff. But still, still, why do we have to go this far? Why do we have to go? I mean, it even messed Becky's head up when she was trying to command the bridge. She was just, <laughs> she just couldn't unsee it uh, while, <laughs> while Shax was at the, at the comms. Um, station, but yeah, this is just horrible, man. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I seem, seem like every week I'm saying Gene Roddenberry is turning over in his grave. He's turned over like eight times by now. Um, but this is just terrible. Yeah. Just and terrible. If you go, you read like some of the Twitter sphere responses to this have not been good. They oh, really? Is this the first episode where they're getting actually? Uh, yeah. Like, I screenshotted a couple of them, and I mean, you guys can go pull it up, actually, if you want to see it. But, like, uh, I mean, one guy says, awful, I can't watch it either. The other guy says, you know what, I'd never watched it, and based on this little bit I did watch for the first time, I doubt I ever will watch it again. Thank you! I mean, I'm I'm just so tired of people saying Lord Dex is the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, and somebody else says, I'm glad I stopped at season two, episode one. But you know what's really sad is you take out that, what we're talking about. This was actually a pretty good episode minus that. Dude, dude I, I, well, spoilers for my review. I was going to get, I, I could, I'm going to get this episode probably a four. It would be a five if, if it went for that for me, because I really enjoyed all the other stuff. I just thought it was really solid, and we just have to dive back into this juvenile humor. I just really, uh, that's not what I'm here for. That's not what I'm here for. And then on the opposite end, we have the senior officers who <laughs> go to their drill, and they're just like stacking crates while all the cool stuff is going on. <laughs> that was pretty good. And then seeing Captain Freeman's reaction, like she wants to go take care of these problems. <laughs> yeah. And the guy keeps busting in the door with a new problem, and he say, oh, just keep stacking boxes. <laughs> Quick, have you seen Q? Oh, well, just keep stacking your boxes. <laughs> oh, yeah. First thing, like, this is the good life. You know, just chill back here. Don't not much to do. We all this free time. And <laughs> Oh, man. I loved when they do the shared drill where they're basically doing the search for Spock. Uh, is it Star Trek 3? Where they're, like, stealing the ship. Stealing the prize. Oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to go get Spock. And... I loved when Mariner called Commander Ransom. She called him Yeoman Ransom, which I think that's a, a Easter egg for Yeoman Ran from TOS. Because mm. if you say it fast, it kind of sounds the same. Mm, I didn't Yo put that together. Yeoman Ransom. <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> it. Yeah. But anyway, um, I don't know, man. We've talked about how all these episodes have attempted to seemingly bridge the crew's together of the Cerritos to get together with the lower deckers with the senior officers. And again, to me, that's what I liked about this episode. I feel like it's no exception. Uh, what, what do we think about these, the crew's shared failures? Cause pretty much all of them, I guess, I guess the, the senior officers didn't really fail when they were stacking crates, but when they did the bridge drill, I mean, everybody failed. So you had a kind of a sense of camaraderie 
And I, what do you, what are you guys' thoughts on all of these failures bringing the crew together, it, and maybe even them thinking this is the whole point of the drills? Which that's that's what you would think it would be. I mean, you know, you do these these company retreats. Let's go and do this tug of war drill or do this. I don't know, uh, uh, rock climb, whatever, you know, you do the stuff in, in, in business retreats all the time. And part of that is even if you don't win the, win the sack race or win the, whatever you're doing, you know, it, this, the shared camaraderie of going through it together, which brings everybody to, to closer. So your guys' thoughts on that in this episode. All right. I want to go first there because my rant after the first episode of this season was all about Mariner and how I thought she was blah, 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 and blah, blah. Well, this is the complete 180 of that in the sense of character growth. I'm liking this character, whereas I was disgusted by her at the beginning. I love all of that. I love the fact that you have these moments where the the seasoned character, um, you know, has a realization and the younger, un, you know, less seasoned character has realization. I still think they tried to do a sly, maybe stretching it here. I still think they were trying to do a sly sex joke here in some way, but, um, and, in, in, you know, make an innuendo or something. But even with that, I liked the character growth between the mother and the daughter. I thought that was cool. So that's my two cents. Any thoughts, John? Um, well, I mean, like I said, the ending, the reason I liked the ending so much was because of that exact reason. Like, I think the problem with this ship is the separation between the lower decks and the command level staff. And that being represented in the relationship between Captain Freeman and Mariner. Like, and to see that come together to me, like makes for a great episode, but like, I don't, I needed the beginning of it to kind of put more into that situation. And I get like the overall goal was for that loosely, but like, it's just, I I just feel like I lost focus watching these individual trials (laughs) they were going through and not just the, the sex part. Like I get it. That's, that was terrible, but even the rest of them, like the wild west part, like, I get it was a callback, but that was it. Like, I didn't get much from that. Um, the whole Borg thing with Boimler, like, I needed just a little more to it. You know what I mean? Like, he kept getting more points the more Borg babies he brought out. Like, I, I just, it just kind of felt like it was thrown together. I don't know if that makes sense. And that just kind of left me wanting, like, I, I just felt like it was nothing there in that part. Now, when we get to the end, I'm like, okay, this is the episode I wanted. And this is how I wish they would have built to that a little better. I'll just say that. Well, before I, before I get a little more information to you about what do you mean by the end? Uh, Cause I do want to know that. Let me just say first real quick. I almost thought the part when Freeman and Mariner were in the bar talking about, you know, Oh, this was really meant to bring us together. That was the whole purpose of the drills. That almost felt like the end of the episode. If this had been TNG, we would have saw the credit credits roll after that, you know, because right. it, it felt like the f- perfect bookend to them being left at the very beginning of the episode until that. And it just felt like a closing statement. You know, uh, these these drills are meant to foster greater empathy and deeper appreciation of each other. You know, feels like the end. But then we immediately going to them going to the drill instructor and find out the her entire purpose of the whole thing was just to protect her job. Um, and you know, she's trying to get everybody reassigned because she has to do anything and everything to try to keep her job going, which I just felt that was very treacherous and, and just bad. But, uh, just a little bit further, you speaking on the Borg encounter with Boimler, I thought all of that was perfect. I really loved it. And it just really showed us the insistence on Boimler to try to get a perfect score. I really liked seeing him in the little bits we got. I like seeing him going through the different scenarios, trying something slightly different. And even when he had to succumb to the Borg Queen, which was portrayed by Alice Creek, by the way, the original Borg Queen, um, I, I still liked how, um, you know, it was he was very reluctant to do that <laughs> because he's so used to winning. And it just shows you like Bomler is on a trajectory to be like one of. 
I think he could be one of Starfleet's greatest officers if he ever gets in a serious situation because he, he he's he's really hardcore about Starfleet, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, I did like that particular part, the little callback to Data and the Borg Queen. Like, that was pretty funny. I did like that. Yeah. And I ate Scritus, a play on I Borg, the title I Borg, and Scritus Locutus. I don't know. Mm, I just thought they were trying to make a loose six reference again. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> me too. Me too, honestly. See, now that just makes me hate it. Oh, I can't unhear that now. I mean, it may have been a play on iBorg or something, but like the excretus part was just kind of like, anyway. Oh, my God. I don't even want to review this. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, what part you said the end? What part about the end were you saying that it, that really made you like the episode? Well, not it, not a specific part of ending. It's just like after the whole part, like from the bar scene when they determined that, you know, hey, maybe this was to bring us closer together like from that all the way through is where they really brought me back on board so like that we started seeing like Kyle said we've been wanting them to kind of grow together as a ship like that kind of showed that so from the part of them you know the cut scene across the bar showing them all laughing and talking with each other getting along and then Mariner and Captain Freeman goes to the drill instructor and you know hey we know what you're doing blah 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 and then they find out you know, the truth, like we're trying to ruin you on purpose. And they're like, yeah. you know what? We're not going to have this. And, you know, hey, guys, this is Captain Freeman. We're going to show this lady that we pretty much deserve to be here. We're going to show them how we hang. You can't. And it, yeah. that's just kind of the thing about command It's hard to which kind of points out a whole thing. Like you guys were pointing out about these standardized tests. Like you can't. It's hard. Sometimes you can't really judge the capability based off of the test score. Yeah. When you get in that real life situation. How are they going to handle that? And they took her on this whirlwind ride of how they're going to handle these, like the crystalline entity. Like we're going to go face down the crystalline entity. Like that's harder than any simulation <laughs> she put any of them through. And yeah. they went through it. However, they did. And the crew performed great through it. And they performed it together. And they proved to her, you know, hey, we can hold this together. Like that whole thing, that whole. And so that's what I say. That was a great episode based on the ending. But there was nothing for me in the beginning of that up to that point. Yeah. Seeing the lower deckers and the bridge crew all work together at the same time. I thought that was freaking amazing. And they didn't skip a beat. No. Yeah. So I really love that. And I also really love the premise of there may be a reason the trainer is a trainer because the trainer can't really do. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. that's not true in all cases, but she doesn't have the real world experience. uh, And it shows when she's in it that she really can't really take the heat of of what they actually do and i really love that as well agreed well guys we'll wrap this up does anyone else have any additional thoughts before we give our ratings for the episode nah. and if not i will go first because i think i'm gonna be the positive person here this episode probably got a five for me if it wasn't for the <sighs> the teenage humor i'm sorry teenagers you don't deserve people in the <laughs> But uh, I have to take a whole point away for that. So I'm giving this a four. Again, if, if, they, if they didn't have that, it was, this would have been an easy five, 4.5, five for me. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop it around four. Yeah. What about you guys? Um, Like I said, ending, absolutely great. Beginning, absolutely nothing there. So I'll split the difference and say 3.25. Mm. All right. What about you, Kyle? I purposely was quiet there because I wanted to hear what Jonathan said. Jonathan, you said 3.5 or was it 2.5? 3.25. 3.25. I'm going to give it a three. I'm going to give it two because I thought it was redeemable. And one, I don't, well, I don't know where my thoughts are coming from because they were totally blown away by the naked scene that I can't (laughs) unsee. So I can't go any, I can't see further than a three. How about that? Oh, you saw. You saw. I know, but I'm <laughs> blinded by the sight. Man, I just can't believe they're showing this stuff on a Star Trek show. I mean, uh, I keep saying it every episode. Like, uh, our freaking theater trained actors from Star Trek's past would uh, probably be like, what are you doing? You know? Um, but apparently, Jonathan Frakes loves it. So, hey, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh... <laughs> At least that's what people say. I mean, 
And I think I want to go and look look up some comments about this episode on Twitter since since John since you gave that comment about what people are posted, man. It's just reprehensible, man. Yeah, it's getting there. Hopefully, this is the end, but knowing them, it's not. Let me let me say one other thing, and I'm going to make this very very quick. One thing that I've noticed since they it's it's like they replaced obnoxious mariner. Yes. With sex jokes. Yes. Mm. If you notice, since she became a character with development, her antics have gone away. And in replace of the antics is, insert, no pun intended, <laughs> sex joke. <laughs> yeah, they're riding it into the ground. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, tell us how we're wrong. We're trying here. We we definitely are trying here. It, it it's it's been it's been an up and down season to be oh, bad choice horse. It's been a very uh, chaotic season. I mean, I feel like it started off very firm. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a very challenging season to review because it seems like the juvenile humor has just kind of supplants any good development, which we've gotten some good stories within this season, you know, eight episodes in, but it seems like we keep going back to this. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know what it is, guys. Help me out right in, please hit us up at fans at discussing or at discussing trick on any and all social medias. Let's kind of let us know. And, and, and uh, we're going to go around a horn and see what everybody has been interested in watching, listening to podcast related or otherwise. Yeah, let's start with you, Cal. What what you been up to, man? You know what? I will continue since the new season is going strong. New episode as of this recording out today. Direct people to an audio comedy podcast called Oz9, and it's oz-9.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. All righty. What about you, Jonathan? All right. So, I'm always busy as usual. So, I am going to... And I'm sorry, guys, this may take just a little while, but I, I want to do this. Uh, first, I want to refer everybody to the Star to Star Trek, the next generation technical man- manual. It's an actual book. You can get it in paperback form or digital written and designed by Rick Sternback and Michael Okuda, which uh, kind of lended their technical expertise to TNG writers and showrunners on all of the workings of the ship. OK, so I hadn't started reading this yet i just purchased it today oh the introduction this is what's gonna take a little long but i just want to do it the introduction of this book was written by gene roddenberry himself i want to read a couple of excerpts from that introduction not the entire thing because it's pretty long but it's just i think we need to hear this right so at the beginning it says the starship enterprise is not a collection of motion picture sets or a model used in visual effects it is a very real vehicle one designed for storytelling you the audience furnish its propulsion with a wondrous leap of imagination you make it into a real spaceship that can take us into the far reaches of the galaxy and sometimes even the depths of the human soul Another excerpt, he says, the Enterprise is also a symbol of the vast promise of technology in the service of humankind. On Star Trek, we've tried to show technology not as important in itself, but as a tool with which we humans can better reach for our dreams. It is one of the fondest hopes that Star Trek may help people see the importance of our present day exploration of space, not just the possibility of contact with alien intelligence, although I'm confident that this will indeed eventually happen. But in a myriad of benefits closer to home, we look forward to space spinoffs providing new communication technologies, extraordinary new energy sources, life-saving advances in medicine, and revolutionary new industrial processes. Space exploration helps us to better understand both our home planet and its neighbors in our solar system. And on a more philosophical level, it will help us find a sense of cosmic perspective by letting us better see our place in the universe. What we've seen thus far has been an important and very humbling experience. So it goes on further than that. There's a lot more in there that's awesome to read. I won't hold you guys up reading all of it. But just for that introduction, I think it's worth buying that book. Oh, that that guy's a visionary. Jeez, yeah. man. I, I just go back to saying I wonder what he say about lower decks. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, before I watched the episode, like I bought I bought this book and I read that introduction. So imagine going from that and then turn on Lord X. Mm. 
Yeah, no, no, I agree totally with you, man. It has to be a stark difference. <laughs> and once again, that's that's Oz 9 from Kyle and the Star Trek Technical Manual, which just came out. No, um, no, no. It's been out. It's been for out? A while. Yeah. Okay, it's but, been out. All right. The Star uh, Trek 1991, actually. Oh, wow. Well, it's been a minute. <laughs> yes. So what I'm going to shout out is if you have Disney Plus, check out Star Wars Visions, which is a take on the Star Wars universe as done by many of the famous Japanese studios. I'm not sure if we brought this up before, but I recently watched it and really loved it. So check out Star Wars Visions. Also, there was a skit done on Saturday Night Live, which I don't really watch Saturday Saturday Night Live. I just caught the YouTube uh, replay or clip. And there's one called Billionaire Star Trek. And it's the exploits of Jeff Bezos portrayed by Owen Wilson as he takes his um, <laughs> blank-shaped spaceship <laughs> into the far reaches of space. So check that out. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, Billionaire Star Trek. And that's it, guys. We thank you for joining. And I really want to hear if you're listening to this episode, just hit us back with some feedback because I want to know what people's opinions are. And as, as for us, we're always up and down on the show. And it... <sighs> It just seems like it's gotten this rut that I that uh I don't know. I don't know if I want to be a part of that. <laughs> the up and down is what's killing us. Oh God. <laughs> See, we can't even say anything now. <laughs> Everything sounds like it's sexual. <laughs> Alright, guys. Well thanks for joining us for this review. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right, it's the podcast Discussing Who. Exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at DiscussingWho.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.